That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Diagra Moon Losing my opinion We're rolling, we're live I have no first word I have no first word I'm right. just talking about how I don't have a first word And you Fine. said, okay, you have the first word uh, I did get around to seeing Maestro, the new Leonard Bernstein biopic. Is it Bernstein or Bernstein? Because mm. I feel like they kept saying, Bernstein feels better. Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein. Well, I believe he pronounced it Bernstein. Well, that's, I'm going to need to see more evidence. But that's his, I, uh, I like the movie. I saw it was kind of getting some, some flack online. I don't really understand it. It was not. I get. No, I, I get why it. they didn't yeah. just focus on like the music and the conducting and showing the making of West Side Story. And it was more just like him and his wife because he's so yeah. f- filmed. He's so recorded throughout the decades. It's like that stuff exists already in real life. So you might as well get the side that wasn't public the behind the scenes. Yeah, I did want more music. I wanted. I guess as a musician, you're going in wanting to see like a behind the scenes take on yeah yeah i wanted more more writing that's the only thing it was, I would it was say. a different movie it wouldn't have fit in the in the structure of the movie i saw yeah this was about the relationship um, however yeah. i i keep calling it a movie i should call it a film is that a thing people you're not supposed to do it well i think it is it's like i want to see a leonard bernstein flick i want you know i want something that's like exciting and inspirational sure maybe okay there could be a sad part or two you know he's closet a gay whatever this was like 75 percent sad it was so more. fucking rough <laughs> by the end with the cancer scenes this is my hard. point is this is hard we my wife and i went in to it wanting to see a movie mm-hmm. what we got was a film and i feel okay. like there should be like a, an f rating for film like there should be some warning early on that it's going to be a fucking bummer you're going to be sad carrie mulligan with yeah that 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 end uh yeah it was really sad I, it was a big i need i need more clear ratings for those kind of movies like warnings at the top sure that your, your night is going to be ruined yeah we should have that warning at the top of our podcast yeah you a little under the weather over there i feel all right i'm, I'm my topic today if you are aware of it it's really going to be a problem. So hopefully you're not. Oh boy. Maybe you could just pretend. And also, don't forget that I lost our I know. in-person engagement. Give me what yep. you got. Do you have an idea? I'm working on you're it. Working on it. I, I got to craft something that's as diabolical as possible. So it's it's going to take a little time. Okay. All right. Yeah. An- announce it on on the show. I'll keep you I want to hear it here. I'll get something really special for you. Because I'm like anxious about it. So I want to I want to know it now so I can just deal with it and do it. Our IRL episode at the top of this year. In real life. First one of 2024. For those who don't know. We, we had a contest. You lost. I did. And uh, you're going you're gonna to pay dearly. So don't, don't worry about yeah. that. That's coming. No rush there. Okay. All right. Let's, get, let's introduce the show, shall we? This is Losing My Opinion, the imminently listenable uh, music <laughs> opinion podcast. I am snow shoveling indie artist Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas Irwin. I am... Uh... I guess also snow shoveling indie artist Thin Lear, aka Matt Longo. Though all of it is melted now. I know we're both East Coast fellows, but you're, you're further up than me, so mine is all gone. Or as my daughter said, snow left, which in a way it did. You were also uh, telling me your daughter was commenting on my dancing. Yeah. So for the listener, when Thomas was over my house, he 
in an attempt, in a, in a futile attempt to amuse my daughter, he started uh, interpretive dancing to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And she just stood there staring at him. It was very gentle movements. I wasn't going nuts. Yeah, he wasn't going crazy. He was just, you know, it was like he just moved around. It was like Tai Chi almost. And uh, she just stared at him. And then Thomas goes, oh, you're just so serious. So then now, every so often, she'll go, Thomas dancing, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Alma's so serious. So it really has left uh, an indelible mark on my child, that experience. When you say it in that voice, it sounds like something out of Twin Peaks. <laughs> That's how she says like a, it. Like a dream Dale Cooper That's had. how she, sa- she says it like she is recollect- recollecting just like a major moment in her life. So she doesn't seem to dislike wow. it. I think she's just, you know, there's a lot to process. She's, she's mulling it over. I gave her a lot to, to think about. There's a lot to think about. There. She also talks about you eating bagels too, which I think is less, maybe less of a mark that you left there. I can't believe she ate just about as much bagel as I did. She, <laughs> she ate a lot. She housed that bagel. She put it away. She put it away. Yeah. Uh, any, <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you got a segment to, to share for, uh, for the first half I of do. today? I do. I have, uh, I guess we could call this the title, because you know I love titles, A Concert Oddity, the likes of which we'll never see again. For starters, the Rolling Stones. We have done, I don't know, 80-something episodes of the show. We're coming up on 100, by the way. We need to talk about what we're going to do there. Oh, shit. Uh, that's... Yeah. Well, we need to meet again IRL. We need to do another IRL. Uh, we have never talked about the Rolling Stones. Like, we've not even... They're, like, arguably the second biggest band in history in terms of popularity. We've never talked about them. Like, even a song. Why? What is there to say? I mean, we we barely touch on Led Zeppelin, but it's like, what, what are we going to add to the conversation? You know, that's kind of... You think it's because they're just sort of so ubiquitous that they're covered already what what what, uh, losing my opinion what's going to be the new take on on those guys that suddenly i love exile on main street what what do we got to contribute uh i love those classic records but i do love those pretty good classic records i feel like you i was gonna i thought that you don't like them that much they got some songs that i love most of the songs in their classic period i'm like yeah the time's right i'll put this on good job guys you know, I'm, I'm not Mr. Rock and Roll over here. I've never thought that. But it's... Okay, so it sounds like you... So you're familiar with, like, their classic period, like, Sticky oh. Fingers, Let It Bleed, Beggar's Banquet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, yeah. Everything right. basically up until uh, Tattoo You. I, okay, all right. So then we're sort of in a similar place, because that's kind of where I drop off to. I even love, like, Goat's Head Soup and uh, It's Only Rock and Roll and those records, like, I uh, Black and Blue... You know, nobody likes that record, and I, I enjoy that. No, I don't like that record. <laughs> uh, there's Satanic Majesty. I feel like there's some good stuff on there. She's a rainbow, maybe, I guess. Yeah. But anyhow, so I hopefully you haven't, I hope that you haven't heard this, because if you have, I don't know, it's going to be hard to get through this. But So there's a really strange moment in 68 where the Stones, they're like nearing the peak of their creative powers. They just up and decided to essentially do like a variety hour with some of the biggest bands on the planet. Oh, uh, yep. I've seen that. And the results are this like... What's it called again? uh, Rock and Roll Circus. Yeah. So you have seen it. Long time ago. Okay. All right. So maybe we can refresh refresh your memory here. I first heard this in like 2002. Me and a good friend who we have to have on the show. He's a big fan of Dream Theater. And I'm going to try to convince him to come on and do a Dream Theater segment because I feel like he needs to... He needs to try to get through to us. He's been trying to get through to me since I was like... 14 on Dream Theater. Why do you want to torture him like that? 
No, because because I feel like he can make a convincing argument. I don't I don't like the band, but he's he's you know he's passionate. Sure. But anyway, rock and roll circus. It's these huge artists at various points in their ascension, just doing showcases and jamming with each other and participating in this communal event. Obviously, the Stones are the centerpiece, but it's like fairly egoless and that they give this platform to all these other artists to do their own thing directed by yeah, michael who? lindsey hogg same dude who did let it be oh let it be yeah that's sleazeball i don't know why they all loved him so i feel like he does an okay job on things i don't know why they all loved him there's something in this variety show that was captured here that's like way more fun than it has any right to be these bands are not just flexing on each other they seem to be having a great time and they're also like playing their asses off yeah, they're all buddies. You get that feeling. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of standouts though that I wanna I wanna listen to, and hopefully the listener hasn't heard this yet because it was like pretty mind blowing for me. First song we're gonna listen to is by an artist slash band. I think the the band was called this too, Taj Mahal. Oh yeah, I think he's from uh, Western Mass. Is he? Okay. He's kind of he's he flew under the radar a little bit. There. He kind of did. So here's the thing. This Variety Hour, this album, this experience, it didn't get released in 68. So the Stones played last and they were exhausted. And like you can see if you watch the special, they're tired. <laughs> and How many bands played in total? Like how many uh, different like acts were Six or seven. It's a big circus. Yeah, it's a big circus. And so there's like a rumor that they didn't release it at the time because it was they, they couldn't match the energy level of like the Who and other bands, but especially the Who because like they are like white hot. Isn't that the show where like Keith Moon set off some dynamite like within his drum kit no. and gave Townsend permanent? Ear no, damage? that was a different. Sh- that was a different show. Okay, this one he gets like splashed with water. Uh, it's still it's still okay. chaos. I mean, you'll see. That's great. Yeah, when you have an electric amplifier <laughs> and you're mic'd up. Honestly, I'd prefer won't. that to dynamite. But uh, yeah, uh, so they, they didn't release it. Brian Jones was also like a hot mess at this point. He plays some nice stuff, but like you can tell he's sort of like pretty disengaged. He's out of it. Yeah, uh, but their energy level is pretty low. Mick Jagger is kind of just pushing them through it through sheer force of will. But yeah, they don't match the energy of everybody else. I can sort of see why they didn't release it. But um, yeah, so this didn't come out. This song that I just sent you from from Taj Mahal kicks so much ass. Yeah. And I feel like if this came out in 68, you know, not that people don't know who Taj Mahal is, but that maybe they'd be more of a kind of mainstay during that period. This guy, Jesse Davis, is on guitar. He played with uh, George Harrison, a concert for Bangladesh. He's like an unsung hero of like 60s, 70s guitar work. And he's just does such a great job on this this track. Yeah, Taj Mahal, he's he's one of those musician musicians. Yes. I got that backwards. Musicians, musician deals. He's he's not, I mean, what's his big hit? Like, I can't even. I don't know that he has a big if hit. He, if he had one, yeah. yeah. He was just a. Uh, Blues mainly is that his his uh... yeah well yeah like but also yeah I mean I mean, it goes further than that I think he kind of branched out into a lot of different styles but at this point yeah it was like blues rock soul yeah he's still going he's still uh, I believe so still alive yeah ain't that a lot of love so uh, he's he's dressed for success here <laughs> he is dressed like a cowboy pretty cool hat he's wearing. It's funny how small the stage is, too. Like, this feels like a really claustrophobic TV set. Intimate. Considering how giant these acts are. It's intimate. 
Yeah, it's it's the whole thing has like kind of a grimy <laughs> atmosphere, yeah, like community theater. There vibe. is a community theater vibe, and it's it's just very seedy. It's like a seedy circus vibe yeah. that's going on. It feels like you wouldn't want to sit down on anything that had cloth on it. You <laughs> ain't that a lot of love? So we're starting strong here. Is this one of your favorites? I from, really enjoy this. Night? This is fun. All right. My Sharona. Nice. You got to dig it, baby. Yes, yes, yes. You know the desert could not hold all the love that I have in my heart for you. If I could spread it up across the sea, I know my love would cover it all up, baby. His voice sounds really good. His delivery is a bit like um, Wilson Pickett. There's some influence there. I like this clapping. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. That's Jesse O. Davis right there. Solid uh, 60s rock over here. Yeah. Jesse O. Davis, one of the um, sort of marquee native american uh guitarist at that time in addition to probably like link ray but yeah he sort of f- flew under the radar but he, he pops up every so often he's like the sort of the weirdest places will be like oh there he is a concert for bangladesh oh there he is standing behind eric clapton you know like sort of just he's all he's over behind the scenes guy yeah 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 so in addition to there being cool spots for bands like this there's also one for jethro tull i'm not gonna make you listen to that oh right. i do really like it <laughs> it's song, song for, for jeffrey. jeffrey yeah yeah that's a weird he stands one. on one foot he does all the things you want to see him do yeah ian anderson does but trench coat he's got a trench coat on he's got all of it yeah he looks like one of their later album covers there's also this thing where <laughs> they get john lennon but they don't get the rest of the beatles so they just have him uh i believe this is like strung out John Lennon that they're getting. This is like around the era of making the White Album. He's starting to flirt with heroin, maybe. I don't know. I think he's fully in love with it at this point. I think the flirting okay. stage is gone. Uh, they play Your Blues. And the band that they put together that do it uh, is like a super group. You know, we, we throw around the word super group quite a lot. This is Mitch Mitchell from Jimi Hendrix Experiences on drums. Keith Richards is on bass. Eric Clapton, your your favorite, is on guitar. Uh, this is this is right after Cream, though. So he's got a lot of goodwill behind him at sure, this point. Sure. He hasn't said anything about uh, you know lockdowns or immigrants yet. He's yeah. just sweet little Eric Clapton, uh, and then obviously John Lennon singing. But like that band is pretty killer. 
Uh, this version of your blues, I kind of prefer it to the version that's on the White Album. I know that's heresy, but... Uh, Is it? I mean, what's uh, your blues, like just the nature of that song. Ramshackle? I mean, yeah, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm going to be surprised if it sounds, you know... Any different? Distinctly different. It's just John Lennon falling down a, a well. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit looser. Shouting his voice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a better... It's a more enhanced version of everything that's good about it from the record. Also, uh, Yoko is there. and uh, it's, She's going to do her thing. She on doesn't this. do her thing on this song. It seems like they made they had some sort of arrangement where like she didn't do it on this song. And then they had a song afterwards where there's like a jam and there's a fiddle player and her. And she's Everybody like... Everybody left to get cigarettes. Com- she's competing with the fiddle player to like for like volume supremacy. And it's actually awesome. And they occupy the same range too. They're in the same range. Uh, it's yeah. kind of great. Like she screams on the top of them riffing and, it, and the whole thing works. It's like verging on like noise rock, uh, but it's it's very cool. But let's listen to that version of your blues. All right. Because I think you will appreciate it. And the drums are just great. I mean, Mitch Mitchell's a fucking all-timer. Yeah. Uh, Keith Richards is on bass. I'm trying to picture that. He's doing his thing. I guess Lennon would play bass in a pinch too. Yeah. Girl, you know the reason why In the morning Wanna die In the evening Sounds pretty similar <laughs> If you advance to like the breakdown, it gets pretty interesting there too. Girl, you know the reason why. my soul, feel so suicidal, even hate my rock and roll. It's like we're watching this right now. Otherwise, people are just listening to this episode. It is kind of... I feel like you're not losing much by not seeing them. I like how sort of low budget it feels. You know, it's like they're in a big rehearsal space. Yeah, I mean, it it feels like something you'd have seen on uh, Get Back. Uh, There's also a really funny introduction that um, Mick Jagger and John Lennon do where they're eating, I think, like low main. But it's fun to watch them sort of just... (laughs) Eat noodles. Eat noodles together. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's listen to kind of the masterpiece of this special. I I uh-huh. think it's sort of impossible to argue that there's anything else that rises above this. It's the Who. Oh. Uh, they really, for that period of time, were one of the best live bands around. You know, the Who's live at Leeds. I don't know if we've talked about it before, but it's like 
that's one of my favorite live records right there with Sam Cooke at the Harlem Square Club for like mm. pound for pound. One of my favorite live albums that I listen to regularly. Keith Moon's a cartoon character. Uh, just so much energy packed onto that stage. He's scary. <laughs> yeah. I'm scared of him. At yeah. This he point. J- and he jumps out of the screen. Like if you watch the video of this, it's like, you know, he's intense and the whole band just seems like they're, I don't know, just locked in. You'll see that there's a, there's a real diversity to the approach. Like they start off with this acapella bit and then they go into. Oh yeah. Quick one yeah, while he's away. Yeah. I do. I like this tune. Yeah, yeah. And then they just kind of go into various levels of rock until by the end, it's just like this sort of frenetic um, explosion that happens. I mean, it was great for their career. Uh, I don't get why they went from this to like Tommy. <laughs> Tommy fucking sucks. I'll do an episode about it someday. I like a lot of Who albums. I like Tommy. Tommy blows. I don't, you know what I don't like? I don't like Quadrophenia. I like Quadrophenia. How do you like Quadrophenia and not Tommy? It's just like worse songs. Because Quadrophenia is good and Tommy's a bunch of gimmicky bullshit. But there are worse songs on Quadrophenia. What do you like? Bellboy? Bellboy. <laughs> do you like... The Quadrophenia movie is legit too. I've Fuck never seen it. Movie bullshit. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, future episode right there. Uh, I just did a quick one with he, while he's away. That's a really cool mm-hmm. place that they were in. I don't, uh, I don't really like the Who Sell Out either, though. So I, I like the Who Sell Out. What, what? You don't like Heinz Baked Beans? Nah, nah. I'm a fair weather Who fan, I guess. Okay. But uh, this, I, I quite, I do remember quite liking the song. I think I may have seen this filmed uh, live version more recently than not. But I don't. Know. Let's uh, let's plow into it here. Mm-hmm. And this is like, what, eight minutes long? It is. We, we can watch certain sections of it, yeah. We'll skip around yeah. here. Well, we got to start at the You top. have to, yeah. Her man's been gone for nigh on a year. He was due home yesterday, but he ain't here. Her man's been gone for nigh on a year. He was due home yesterday, but he ain't here. That baseline, it's just like sad and whistle. Uh, we go into the cello part. Yeah, sure. They didn't right there. have a cello. They couldn't afford a cellist, so they just sing cello, 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 cello. Yeah, they do it here. energy that's here Am I back in your arms? it's silly too this is a silly oh, song 
But they do it, you know, with gusto. How do you, I mean, how do you follow? They didn't end with that? Like, there were, who followed them? I think they were, like, somewhere in the middle of the show. I don't even think it was, like, the very end. But it's just, how do you get on stage after that? Like, they just sort of set (laughs) it on fire. But let's watch, to end, let's watch one of the Stones, listen to one of the Stones' performances. This one, this might be Brian Jones' last live performance. I think it is. Um, But it's just, it's lovely. You know, the, the energy is definitely lesser than the previous acts, definitely less than The Who, but they sound really good. And I'm, I'm glad they finally released it because they were holding on to it for so long. It's just like we, we would have lost these performances. Yeah, as we said, Jethro Tull also plays. Marianne Faithful does a really great uh, performance and a uh, really entertaining lineup. Your favorites, Led Zeppelin, were actually considered for this. My favorites. But they, they didn't ask them. Yeah. Small faces were also considered. That, I think that would have been appropriate if they had asked that. Rod Stewart would have been at home with the other hairstyles going on here. Yeah, there. sure. Uh, so, yeah, what what Rolling Stone song are we closing with here? What, what did they do that night? Like, what they, did they did play? Sympathy for the Devil. They did Salt of the Earth. They did um, Beggar's Banquet. Jumpin' Jack Flash. They did um, yeah, This Soon, yeah, yeah. No Expectations. Ah, you picked a nice uh, little underrated one. Yeah, I think this is my favorite from that show. I think because it matches where their energy level is. Because they're kind of like, you know, they're kind of exhausted. Don't have any expectations for fucking They do not here. have expectations. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is a slower tune. Yeah. Jumpin' Jack Flash, though, that's like when I think of not liking the Rolling Stones or kind of not wanting to call myself a fan, like, uh, I'm, I'm, You don't like that song? I, I, I'm so fucking sick of that song. That's one where the second it comes on, it's like, why are we still doing this? I mean, I- Talk about overplayed. That's journey territory I, <laughs> for me. I still, I still love that song. I, I'm not Brown like- Brown sugar, ugh. I'm not- um, Militantly against it. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I, can, I do need time in between listening to it, but- uh, do you think something like this could happen again? I was thinking about it. Popular music is so decentralized now. There's so many pockets of fan bases all over the place. And like mm-hmm. for the artists peeking their heads above the fray, right, out of that mess, it'll be like Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, Kendrick Lamar or whatever. And like you sort of get those kinds of collaborations every year at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. And it means a lot less when it happens. Um but yeah, it's also not like Taj Mahal and Jethro Tull were huge at this point. They were kind of just starting out. The Who were moving along, but they weren't like yeah. hu- a huge act yet. But uh, it's the Wild West of pop music here, man. Yeah, one time only. Yeah, it's just like a really engaging curio of something that is just very rare. Probably won't happen again. A one-off. Yeah, yeah. this many bands, uh, all at the heights of their powers, playing in some weird, dingy <laughs> TV studio. <laughs> circus themed i mean i don't know yeah i I don't if if anything with that much kind of character and quirk is happening it's not at a major level right there's no sheen to this definitely not glossy that you're gonna yeah so what can i say here uh i have no expectations i'll put it that way right Brian Jones on the slide guitar. Okay. Yeah, that's his part. Take me to the 
the station and put me on the train. I've got no expectations to pass through here again. A rich man Now I am so poor But never in my sweet short life Have I felt like this before Jagger is being minimally annoying <laughs> He's restraining himself I'll get to him there yeah, this restraint here. The diamond, you, throw your you can tell they're just beef. Been a long night. Yeah. It's a good, good version of this tune, though. This complements the studio version nicely. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun curiosity. And uh, I think it's like, it's definitely worth a listen. And there are some real standouts on there. And that Who performance is like a revelation. Really. All right, man. What, well, do you, what do you got for me? Listen, my opinion. What do I got? Uh, we, have, well, we got a fun one here today. It's a little interactivity involved. A little going to play a little game. Okay. Uh, I got a couple questions. What do you do? You have any thoughts generally, no. musings about about like subgenre names like. <laughs> naming like a musical movement with like mm. one word you know how that happens yeah we're talking about like like grunge or something yeah grunge shoegaze yeah all those kinds of i think just... generally when it happens it's kind of like the end of it you know really yeah like when when it's been around long enough for people to be like this is the category like usually it's yeah, this is yargle it's, this is yargle like it's that's where it starts to go from nirvana to puddle of mud you know, so you're generally they're they're bad omens to you. Sometimes I would say mostly, yeah, probably. Mm, I think there's times where that's the case. I think in the case of something like shoegaze, if you stop and think about it, that's like fucking stupid term. Just the idea that oh, it's bands that have so many uh, effect pedals on the guitar, <laughs> so they're always looking at their shoes, they're gazing at their shoes. That's how we're gonna sum up everything from yeah. Lush to My Bloody Valentine to Slow Dive, whatever. I, yeah, it feels a little desperate sometimes, like it's just... And and overused, and especially for shoegaze and emo, I think are the two... Emo, like You, you yeah, see that on one. social media now, when people use those terms, it's just like for any band, literally any band, you can just yeah. say, oh, it's shoegaze, oh, it's emo, or it's dream pop. Yeah. You know, like dream those pop. sort of... Yeah, that's another one. They just get tagged on everything, yeah. Yeah, it just feels like a desperate like marketing PR tool that's kind of disconnected from trying to sum up or put together a musical movement. Yeah. You know, convey it to the to the listener, to the uh, you know would be fan. Uh, there is a subgenre name out there that I doubt you've ever heard of before, and it's it sounds kind of funny, sounds kind of silly. Uh, Sophistopop. You ever heard of that? Sophistopop. Um, yeah. No. What is that? All right, let's pull up Wikipedia. Sophisticated here. pop. Sophistopop. Is it like destroyer? 
Yeah, actually. Destroyer, that one album by Destroyer is definitely Chinatown. calling on the Sophistapops. Yeah. I've heard your record, it's all right. Kaput. Kaput is Sophistapop. Okay. Here, here's the Wikipedia definition. Sure. A pop music subgenre that developed out of the British New Wave movement during the mid-1980s. Uh, it originated with acts who blended elements of jazz, soul, and pop with lavish production. Mm. Um, the term Sophistapop was coined only after the genre's peak in the mid to late 1980s. Characterized by extensive use of electric, uh, sorry, electronic keyboards, synthesizers, and polished arrangements, uh, cutting-edge studio technology, perfectionist recording methods, the genre has been described as mellow, romantic, and atmospheric. Different magazines suggest things like the start of Sophistapop might have been the Roxy Music album Avalon. Ooh, certainly that's a, in, in visual presentation. Man, I mean that is some record, but yeah. Um, Sophistapop. Well, but I guess my question about that category yeah. is, is there something that's also somewhat tongue-in-cheek about the incorporation of that instrumentation? Because, like, you know, Roxy Music, it's sort of hard to tell if it is. Mm. With Destroyer, I don't think it's hard to tell. I think he... <laughs> You know, he's the saying. Destroyer's just like I love all those mid eighties. Yeah, this is fun. I'm going to try yeah, to be Sophistapop Records. I want to take that. Yeah, I, I love the sleaze. You know, like because I think that's that's part of it. Roxy music, it's hard to tell. Yeah, Avalon is is sleazy. But like, is is the knowing element of it? That's a great question. I mean, like I said at the top, I had two questions for you. The second one is, what does it mean to be sophisticated? What what is what is the sound of sophistication? When I think of sophistication and arrangement. I think of stuff kind of that I don't like, actually. Like I think of like Steely Dan, That's like Asia or the whatever. Thing. Steely Dan, maybe maybe strictly because they're not in the right era or they're not from the UK. But St- Steely Dan, like Asia, people aren't going around throwing the Sophistapop label on that. They're calling that jazz pop. Or dog shit. Fusion. <laughs> all right, all right. Cool your jets. So that's, you know, kind of something to chew on there. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we talking about here? Martinis, like mm. white tuxedos, Mr. Peanut? Mr. Peanut's pretty sophisticated as far as uh, <laughs> nuts go. Or is it going the other way where we're talking like doing cocaine on a private jet? Well, that's what's fun about the Destroyer record is it sits in the middle of all that stuff. Wasting your days, chasing some girls, all right, chasing cocaine through the back rooms of the world all night. Speaking of, of that for a second, though, has has cocaine ever looked like more of a bad idea than in Maestro? Uh, <laughs> Leonard Bernstein at the party. <laughs> he's like 52 years old, going on 85, the most congested man in the he, world. You're like, dude, stop what you're doing. Yeah, you're upset for his like ability to breathe. <laughs> that was the scariest scene in the movie for me. Yeah. So yeah, what what are we talking about here exactly? How do, what's the sound of sophistication, and why? Why are the sophisticates drawn to Sophistapop? What, what's in here? And, and what we're going to do today, I'm going to show you some different songs by different artists you know, in the genre that people identify as this. And we're going to see if we can find some common denominators. Okay. And if you're up to it, maybe we rank these songs today in order of- Level of sophistication. Level of sophistication. Well, here's the, here's the thing though, is like, what is sophisticated? Because I feel like we're defining sophisticated. That's that's, that's what we're yeah in this what, what way is where it's just like this sort of knowing cheese. Like if we, something is really sophisticated, it's like okay, a Nick Drake uh, guitar arrangement. Like that's sophisticated. You know, there's nothing cheesy about that. That's not sophisticated. Not sophisticated. So what we're talking about when we say sophisticated in this context, it's like sort of this knowing sleaze somehow is attached to it. 
Maybe. I don't maybe we'll we'll figure that out as we start listening to some tunes today. It's like faux sophistication. Like Brian Ferry saying I'm a millionaire or whatever before that is a reality. Brian Ferry's whole thing is is kind of joking around. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's we're going to hear some of his his uh, crooning voice today, but we're going to see we're going to also hear some <laughs> other songs that are going to be unfamiliar to you. You ever hear Brian Ferry's cover of um Positively 4th Street? I haven't. It's funny. And there's a music critic that said uh, it doesn't work well because it sounds like he's mad at his butler for forgetting his favorite ascot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a big question mark here. Maybe we'll be able to, to make some sense of all this. There's Sophistapop that's, you know, the most visually sophisticated. I think, you know, again, Roxy Music's probably going to... Yeah win in that category there's sophistication maybe in terms of uh complexity and music theory and there's another band uh you'll hear today that i would think would win in that category so it's it's a big uh it's a big puddle to to wade big through puddle here. Of mud. but we're going to start with a band that i only just discovered recently and in fact a listener of the show alan hey wrote to us uh, in our losing my opinion podcast survey which i'm going to post that in today's show notes uh, give folks uh, an opportunity again to weigh in. I found out about this band through that survey, through Alan, uh, the Blue Nile. Wow, we're being educated here. This is great. Educated through our listeners. The Blue Nile is very, very cool. I will say I've pretty much focused on their first two albums when it was more that 80s electronic sound. Hats is great, but Walk Across the Rooftops is my fucking jam. Really? I gotta, I've I gotta been playing that one out. I've heard of this band. It's a great name for a band. I've, I've not. They are a, uh, a pillar of Sophistapop. It sounds like Sophistapop. the second entry on Wikipedia right after uh, Roxy Music here. Yeah. They're, uh, they're Scottish. The singer is kind of like, sometimes he's got the tone and kind of, shall we say, limitations of like David Byrne, but the delivery of Peter Gabriel. So it's kind of this interesting in between. Uh, but just the, the, you're going to hear it immediately. The arrangements, the production, like everything is so considered mm. and just impeccably done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play their biggest hit here, and this is definitely my favorite, uh, Tinseltown in the Rain. Uh, everything here is just, yeah, really lining up in the direction of Sophistapop. So uh, see, see what you think of this. I forgot to say, Sophistapop is one of my just fucking favorite things in pop music. Like, I, it's, it's mm. silly... It's it's a stupid term, but like I this is my jam. I love this shit, uh, and I can't I can't rank them one better than the other, you know, in terms of how much I love it or how good it is. But maybe just by sophistication, we can figure that out. But this is like this is my jam. This is where I live, especially if we're talking '80s music. This is from 1984. Sophisticated to you? Oh, very much so. I love that steady guitar chug. I love the slappy bass.
Bob, I hear like I hear Hounds of Love out of this. Oh yeah. And that was the next year, I guess. That was '85. Even that synth tone sounds Kate Bush, Bush like. Yeah, Fairlight or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, this right. this like um, well, I have a, I have a stupid question here. So that for me is I I love that. That's great. Thank you, Alan. That that sits in between both like stylistically and chronologically in between like Bowie's Let's Dance and mm. Hounds of Love. Kate Bush's Hounds of Love. I hear I hear, I hear both, both of those elements cooking in there. You're and right. I know this is such a Bowie's. I'm such a Bowie centric listener. But like, yeah, you have like a shrine to him. I in do your have house. a shrine to him in my house. How much, how much is Sophistopop is coming out of Bowie? I think he's proto Sophisto. Okay. Sometimes when he's doing the jazzier like lounge thing. Yeah. Uh, or even certain moments on Let's Dance, I think he's. For me, he's he's proto Sophistopop. He's proto a lot of stuff. Yeah. But. Sure. You like listen to Aladdin Sane or whatever. It's like how far is Aladdin Sane from some of this? It's just the production techniques weren't Ooh. there yet. But like. You know, yeah, Lady Grinning Soul. Oh, yeah, all, that's pretty sophisticated. Yeah. yeah, but even in this in this style, like you hear elements of this on some on Scary Monsters, obviously on Let's Dance. Yep. That's that's the you know the thrust of it aesthetically. Yeah, I don't know where Sophistapop ends and and Let's Dance's brand of stadium funk, <laughs> whatever <laughs> what the hell it is, yeah. whatever the chart dominating uh, pop there. But no, this is where. It's a little outside the scope of today's exercise. Blue Nile, we're starting out pretty pretty sophisticated Very here. Sophisticated. You're imagining it's going to be hard to top this. All right. Do they have a classic record, Blue Nile? Some fans would say all of them. I, for my money, definitely the first two. Uh, Walk across the rooftops and the follow up that took fucking five years to make. Hats, Hats I've heard of. Uh, is also I've not listened to it, but I've, I've yeah. I'm looking at the the cover of it yeah. and realizing I recognize it. Hats is uh, a classic. Gotta too, listen but, to that. Yeah, I'd I'd start there. Okay. And so that's Blue Nile. So uh, there is a certain air of sophistication in the segment now, if I do say so myself. Yeah. Well, this next one, let's get this out of the way here. You know, according to Wikipedia, supposedly the progenitors of Sophistopop, Roxy Music, the album Avalon. I know you're a huge fan already. Yeah. Uh, which song you think I'm going to pick here? Uh, any of them? Uh, maybe more than this. It's More than this is great. You know what I'm doing, though? I'm doing, Tara? I'm doing the main thing. Okay. That's about as unsung as you can get on a record that everyone loves. It's so funky. The song is so funky. I, I, so when I had my band in Japan, as you know, my old band, Otarehan, uh, back in my, my college days, uh, performing around Kyoto, the great thing about playing live in Japan is like venues are really great about, so, okay, when you guys are coming on stage, like, do you want a song to play in the background? And you always get to pick. That's cool. They should do that always. Uh, I picked the the main thing one night, and it was like, oh, there's not a better song to come on stage to than this next tune here. Mm-hmm. 
This one's sophisticated. Yeah. Just waiting for his vocals to come oozing in. He does ooze. <laughs> yeah, Brian Ferry is not a he's not a gas. He's a liquid. <laughs> question is, is this more or less sophisticated than the tune well, we just heard? Well, I think it is more knowingly sophisticated. Calculated. It's more calculated in its sophistication. I would argue that the last song we listened to is more sophisticated on a genuine level. But if we're talking about sophistipop as having a certain smarm, then this takes the cake. This is smarmier than, than the, Blue, mm. the Blue Nile. Blue Nile is more earnest. Than, than this. Yeah, Blue Nile's more like trying to get tenure, wearing a, a tweed jacket, smoking a tobacco pipe. What we just heard is more the... This is the adjunct that's doing blow. Yeah. yeah. I'm throwing a wrench in the works for this next number because this is not on the Sophistapop list as far as I can make out. Okay. This is your own argument here. This is, yeah, I would argue that this fits right in with the other shit we're doing here today. Um... This is Donald Fagan. Wait, so you poo-pooed me before, and now you're bringing this motherfucker into the conversation. Hey, there's a difference between Asia and The Nightfly. We're about to hear a song from The Nightfly, 1982. There's our next podcast t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I assume you've never heard this album or know about it. No, you know it's, I haven't. It's really, it's basically Steely Dan while Walter Becker was getting his shit together. Okay. Post Gaucho. It's it's so much the same qualities. I would argue it's a little little less complicated. Too sexy. It's a little sexy. It's a little <laughs> less complicated melodically. It's a little less crazy jazz all over the place. Okay. I don't care if you like the song or not. That's I'm good. not like this is my king of the beach. You know what I mean? Like oh, you don't need that's to a like bad, this. That's a real. I'm not like proud to be into this. This is like this is dorky stuff we're coming up on here. The song is called New Frontier. I don't need you to like it, but I am curious if you think it's sophisticated. Sure. Or if it doesn't meet the metrics that we've set up I, I today. I probably will, knowing him. If it's on, I'm I'm gonna bop. But like it's it's this is kind of silly stuff if you stop and think about it. Donald Fagan's The New Frontier from the Nightfly. Let's. Uh, <laughs> here goes nothing. I mean, it sounds like Steely Dan. 
it's, it's so not for me. Yes, we're gonna have a wing Oh. Summer smoke on the ground. Did he just say we're gonna have a weenie? Yeah, we're gonna have a wing ding. Wing ding. He's talking about a smoker. I thought he was like having a barbecue or something. See, he's having a barbecue party. <laughs> he is. That's what the song is about. This video is like enraging. It's ma- it's making me enraged. The key was survival on the new frontier. Um. So, Sophistapop or no? What's yes. the verdict here? Yeah, it is. Oh, it is? Yeah. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not Sophistapop. If, if this is probably, if we're saying that it sits at that nexus of, like, cheese and knowing that it's cheese and impeccable production and sleekness and lushness, like, this is right there. This is, Trump trumps them all, but it's also my least favorite of the songs we've listened to so far. Okay. So it's it's number one in the sophisticated ranking. Number three in my heart. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll give you a palate cleanser here. Um, we're going back to straight ahead down the middle, Sophistapop. This is right up there with Blue Nile and fans of Sophistapop know what's coming up next year. Prefab Sprout. Okay. We've talked about them before, right? We did. I did a whole episode on yeah. them. They are still pretty much, I'm going to say, my favorite band of the 80s. This isn't Jangle Pop, right? No, they're Jangle Pop adjacent. Okay. I don't think Jangle Pop is going to come up in your mind when I put these guys on. But sure. No, Patty McAloon, one of the great all-time UK singer-songwriters. Steve McQueen, their second album, or I guess in America it's called Two Wheels Good. Again, we we listened to you know some of their stuff on that past episode. They're fucking great. I didn't show you this song. It's called When Love Breaks Down. Part of me is wondering if they're going to win the sophistication contest today if they're going to beat out uh, Donald Fagan. Or, or maybe not. Uh, in any case, I think you'll really dig this tune. Okay. See how uh, sophisticated this one feels. I'm going to skip to the middle of the song. See, here are some of those sophisticated lyrics. Sophisticated, yeah. This starts to get out of the realm of what I like. It's too smooth and dreamy. It's... Yeah. <laughs> you look like you want to go to bed. I, like, I really like that Blue Nile track. There, there's something earnest about that. So. And this one's produced by Thomas Dolby. Okay. So you get a little of that. She's blinding me with science energy. Very, yeah. It's very smooth. Yeah. There's anything wrong with that. It's funny to call Blue Nile, like, raw musically. 
but I guess relative to prepep sprout. Yeah. 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 That, that would make sense. All right. Well. Great atmosphere. It's all about atmosphere on that one. So that was that was four very sophisticated tunes. If I do so, if I do so, say myself. <laughs> Sophist to say myself. If I suffice to say myself, I'm going to throw in a surprise entry here. Last one. I know we're coming up under the wire. Uh, this is the Joker card here. I can't stop listening to this guy. I got a problem. Uh, fucking Paolo Conte. Jeez, man. <laughs> Just, I mean, how many episodes are you going to close this I can't stop, man. I don't know. I, I, maybe, hopefully, this is the last one. I got to get Just this guy do off Do a whole episode on him and be done I with know, it. I know, I know. So, Italian gentleman, Paolo Conte. <laughs> That's what his wiki page says. Fucking great. He's kind of, he like didn't really hit a stride in, in the pop world uh, until like his 40s. He's got a very gravelly voice, but the sounds are so smooth. Mm. He's a master pianist, very jazzy influence. I got a problem. Again, he's Italian. He doesn't sing in English, so nobody, he's not going to be on people's radar. But I think he's right up there with everybody else today for Sophistapop, if you catch him in the right period. Mm. Uh, this last song we're going to listen to. From 1987, it's called Amada Mia. Are you sure he's not just adult contemporary? May, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm wrong, and uh, you'll hear this. Well, let's hear it. You put him in the adult contemporary camp. Yeah, I mean, he's like the best. If he's adult contemporary, he's like the greatest adult contemporary artist ever. Yeah, you get it. Would you call uh, Sting Sophistapop? Oh, uh, I don't call that pop. It's sophisted crap. <laughs> sophisted crap? <laughs> His, he's got no good hooks his soul career is just fuck that it's so bland it's like this the the sounds he's working with are one but he thing. can have sex for like 10 hours <sighs> less fucking you know what more I mean? songwriting buddy <laughs> do you do you understand though it's such a bummer what his trajectory i really don't get it but you're you're throwing us off the scent here we're we're closing hopefully strong i don't know about sophisticated but uh You'll dig this one. This is from a double album. The guy just kept turning them out. This 1987, uh, the album is Agua Plano. Uh, Amada Mia. Check it out. Amada Mia, Amada Mia. Dietro a quell'auto, via nella sua Amada mia, amata mia Qualunque cifra, anche una follia Amada mia, amata mia I feel it's too organic It's too earthy It's, gr- it's great, but it's too organic It's not simply enough What were you saying about organic? Well, aside from that but even the vocals, like the two earthy. Too gravelly. Yeah, you couldn't call Tom Waits for Sophistapop. Yeah, you don't, tell, you don't call Tom Waits for Sophistapop. This piano part up here kills me. It's like he's holding up two kazoos to his face. <laughs> Is that what I'm looking at right now? doing that. It's like he's trying to play kazoos with his eyes. Yeah, he's a silly goose. We hope you've enjoyed the Paolo Cate fan podcast this week. Uh, I don't. Uh, I think it's... All right, that's the last one for a good while, I promise. Next week, I'll go back to Hosono. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please, please. I think it's just adult contemporary. Really, really good adult contemporary. 
Mm. Too earthy, as you say yourself. It's not sophisticated. It's just adult. Yes. It's just it's mature okay. in its approach. And it's not sleazy. I don't see that as sleazy. It's genuine. Uh, so, yeah, you ready to rank here? Yeah. In sophistication only. Oh, Donald shit. Fagan's taking home the crown. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> and then I still say Blue Nile too. Roxy Music, Palo Conte. And then in terms of what I like the best, I mean, yeah. I, I, I love Roxy Music. I got to put them one. I really like that Blue Nile track, then Palo Conte, and then, you know. But where did Prefab Sprout fall in the mix here? Oh, oh, I forgot about them completely. Um, <laughs> Prefab Sprout, I would say... When love breaks down. They, they, yeah, they're probably more sophisticated than Blue Nile even. Maybe they're two. Ooh, they're the number two. Okay. Yeah. But obviously, yeah, Blue Nile was, was your favorite new discovery here today. That's great. I, I really want to listen to that Hats record, actually, because I, I feel I've like seen that cover a whole lot. It's a fucking cool cover. Yeah. yeah but I, I like A Walk Across the Rooftops a little more, but they're both, you can't go wrong. Mm. So few albums. And then they like bre- they took a break until like 96. They didn't take a break. They just take fucking forever. They're such perfectionists. Mm. <laughs> it's the Kevin Sh- Kevin Shields of Sophistapop. It's that level of dedication. But uh yeah, what what did we learn today? Uh check out the Blue Nile. That's what I learned. I learned that I actually like a, a lot of Sophistapop. I thought it was going to be a lot of Steely Dan adjacent stuff, and it's kind of not. It's it's a bit broader than that. All right. Not bad, not bad. I learned uh, I learned Taj Mahal was in the rock and roll circus. I totally forgot about Real that. Real solid. People forget about I that keep one. overlooking him. If they had released in 68, I think people would have maybe caught on more. But it's not like he had no career. Like, you know, the guy did well for himself. It's just, yeah, they're not a household name, certainly. All right. Well, you got anything to, to plug as we wrap up here at Thin Lear? I have a show on the 26th um, at Sanctuary in Jersey. It's in northern New Jersey. Come see it. If you're in Putin, I'll be playing Sanctuary, New Jersey, Friday, 26th. Tickets are available online. And my new single, Beware the Cowboy, came out last week. <laughs> Music video's coming up very soon. I'm excited to get that out there and uh, a lot of other tunes soon to follow. Yeah, and if you liked this episode, today's sophisticated episode of Losing My Opinion, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss a future episode. You can follow Losing My Opinion on Instagram, TikTok, and X. X. And uh, what did I argue today? I think <laughs> Leonard Bernstein sounds better. It's Bernstein. And I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. That was very Randy Newmanish. that one. You really got a lot of gravel in there. I've been practicing. That's good. I'm, I'm glad that you've been practicing that. On the bus, it's really, yeah. It's, it's a key element. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone would notice, but yeah, it's a key element of the show, I think. And I'll say so long, suckers. We'll see you next week. Stay sophisticated. Yes, I wish that for just one time you could stand inside my shoes. You'd know what a drag it is to see you.